separate them. A couple of big boys squaring up there, but nothing happens. Remember, that's an old Battle of Alberta rivalry as well. Clem Costin was an Edmonton Oilers, Nikita Zadorov, Calgary Flame. But here, it's been a chippy one. And Costin just flat out slashing Nikita Zadorov. No call on the play. Six on five for the Red Wings. 90 seconds left in the third. Canucks up four to one. Miller to take the draw against Larkin to the right of Demko in the Vancouver zone. And Besser gets it off the faceoff. He'll shoot for the empty net. He misses as well. This will also be icing against the Canucks. And six seconds tick off the clock. 124 left in the third period. A couple of great efforts for the Canucks. First it was Lindholm. Then there was a two-on-one between Pedersen and Lindholm. Neither of them took a shot. And then Thatcher Demko trying to go for the goal as well. Still 124 left in this game. Scramble draw goes to the far corner. Hughes gets it behind his own net. Tied up by Kane. Garland digs it free for Miller. To center for Besser with room. Makes a move to the red line. Still with it. He scores! But it's waved off by the officials. And we'll get a justification as to why right now. saying it was offside at the blue line. So it was one of the Canucks ahead of the puck as Besser took the shot. That's right. It was JT Miller ahead of the play, well ahead of the play. So that, I mean, jumping the gun there by JT Miller takes away the sixth empty net goal of the season for Brock Besser. So they're going to still got another minute and nine seconds left here to get another one. And the Red Wings win the faceoff at center. They may not, though, because Alex Lyons back in the net. As Lindholm breaks up a pass at the red line and dumps it in, now into the final minute of the third period. Elias Lindholm missed it on the right wing boards. Clean cost and passes to center for Christian Fisher. Fisher, left wing to the Vancouver line. Rink wide pass intended for Rasmussen. Tips off a stick and into the stands near boards. And Lyon didn't even make a move to the bench once the Red Wings gained the offensive blue line. So Detroit conceding defeat at this point. A couple of opportunities for Vancouver to add another insurance goal. Doesn't look like they'll need it here with 47.9 seconds left. It's been a spirited game here. A lot of intensity in this one. A lot of anger for both teams as well. But the Canucks looking good thus far. Entertaining one for the fans in the Canucks return to Rogers Arena. And the shiny new toy Elias Lindholm is going to close out the game with a couple of goals. His team continues to roll in terms of results. As Rasmussen tried to center a pass from Fisher, for Fisher behind the Vancouver net wrap. But it rolled all the way back into the Red Wing end, and Hoaglander gets it on the forecheck. Lost the puck to David Perron. He'll skate left wing to the Vancouver line. Perron hangs it down the boards. Zadorov back to it behind the net. Protects it from Rasmussen, gets it free for Lindholm. He floats it to center for Pedersen. Chance for a two-on-one for the Canucks. Pedersen hounded on the back check by Sherrod, who gloved it free to Valeno. That's a hand pass against Detroit. And another neutral zone faceoff now with 14.8 seconds remaining in the hockey game. And Batch, you mentioned the two goals by Elias Lindholm. Three assists for Elias Pedersen. All of those assists, primary assists as well. So quietly, an excellent multi-point game for him. And that line has looked really good tonight, building some chemistry between the three of them. Canucks win the faceoff at center. Juleson lifts it in. And that is going to do it. 
as the Canucks return to Rogers Arena ice and pick up a decisive 4-1 win over the Red Wings, their 37th victory of the season, their 19th win inside this building. And Vancouver is now 13-1-3 in the last 17 games. And the top six delivers as Elias Lindholm, two goals, Elias Pettersson, three assists. And they set the tone here on home ice. They got another big game coming up on Saturday night, a heavyweight tilt against the Winnipeg Jets. But they get it done tonight. Once again, the final score, the Canucks four and the Red Wings one for Randy Janda. This is Brendan Batchelor in Vancouver. The Canucks Central post-game show starts right now. This is the Canucks Central post-game show. Pedersen onto it on the back end, clears to center for Elias Lindholm. Lindholm, high slot, red light, he scores! What a shot by Elias Lindholm! Pedersen trying to wrap around it, rolled through the crease out the far side. Zidorov shoots left point, he scores! Nikita Zadorov snaps it for the left point and beats Alex Lyon up high. It's 3-0 Canucks. And Nikita Zadorov scores his first in Vancouver. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Two on one for the Canucks the other way. Henderson right wing to the net. Stick handled. Lost it in front for Lindholm. He scores! Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks defeat the Red Wings 4-1 on home ice. First game back after a five-game road trip. Canucks do what they do all season. That is win hockey games, and they gritty off tonight 4-1 over the Red Wings. And, you know, it's Satyar Shah, Bik Nazar, going to bring in Randy Jenna into the conversation. You are listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650 after yet another Canucks victory. And, you know, a lot of good moments, a fun moments tonight. And, we were, you know, I'm just kind of joking about the whole gritty thing with Jake Wallman last win. game. Very gritty win. <laughs> it was a very gritty win. But also, you know, seeing Nikita Zadorov doing his little gritty at Jake Wallman. I mean, we talked so much. Well, not us talk so much, but there was a big topic of conversation before the game about you know, you know what's going to happen. You know, the Canucks offended by the gritty. And my whole thing was, who cares? If you want to make fun of it or whatever, sure. But don't sit here chasing a guy for celebrating. And I thought Zadorov did the perfect thing. A little small dance, rub it in the uh, and, and rub salt in the wounds a little bit in the wind. But it was another strong team performance from the Canucks today, Randy. It was, and this was you know a game where we were asking a lot of questions of, okay, what's that third line going to look like? What's you know Lindholm at home? How's he going to look? Look at that lindholm Pedersen line. Two goals for Lindholm, three assists for Elias Pedersen. Uh, they were strong tonight, and even late in this game, we saw them you know, being a threat in transition, which is something that you want to see this team play a little bit more, play faster. Uh, the other thing is the third line. Mikheyev, early on, they weren't able to get so much zone possession, uh, but later on, as this game went on, we started to see that. We started to see them have that territorial advantage. So overall, just a... a a really strong win, uh, a win where, you know, they they look comfortable. I'm sure there were moments where Thatcher Demko had to step up and he had to make a save. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a, a, you know, a scramble in front of him, but that's why you have one of the best goaltenders in the league. So when you have moments like that, they make the save. 
and most comfortable in distressed moments like the penalty kill. They wound up with 10 minutes on the penalty kill, four shots on goal. And all of them, I believe, came in the third period when the game was kind of within control. So in that first period, they spent a lot of time on the PK, zero burger uh, yep. as far as shots on goal. Now, mind you, there's one that hits a screen and, and goes wide, but nevertheless, uh, in, in pivotal moments, they neutralized Detroit. And that, to me, speaks to how they played five-on-five five as well and really uh, tilting this game in their favor. Well, five-on-five, five, I mean, all I can – in terms of quality scoring chances, scoring chances, I'm like, man, like the Red Wings had some good ones. It was the comfort where he takes the puck and drives the net on, on Thatcher Demko, knocks a stick off yep. uh, of his hands, but Demko makes a save, of course. And then the Daniel Sprong's chance, five on five, in the second period where Demko comes across and makes an incredible desperation save. Outside of those two chances at five on five, it wasn't really a lot that Detroit was able to generate. There was a you know a save on Patrick Kane. I forget if it was on the power play or yeah, five was, on five, yeah. but it was a it was a lateral save, which is you know he looked really sharp moving from right to left and left to right. He didn't have to do it too much, but when he was called upon, uh, outside of that, you're right. Maybe an Olimata chance where he kind of leans into a slap shot and high in the slot. Other than that, uh, I think down the middle, middle of the ice, the Canucks did a great job of protecting that area. Oh, yeah, and again, there was that, that chance, you mentioned the Sprong chance, where yep. he gets the pad to it, kind of grabs it out of midair, but by and large, you know, the Canucks pushed everything to the outside. You know, to be fair, both teams kind of pushed everything to the outside, kind of seeing eye goals go in and the Lindholm goal there for the Canucks, and then uh, obviously the first goal as well. Um, but in general, uh, you know, if you play like that, that's the stuff that's consistent. You get back on home ice, and Rick Tockett's mentioned, hey, we want to get back to the staples, the points and all the things are nice, but we're focusing on the details, and tonight was a very detail-oriented game by Vancouver. On that as well, offensively, two of the goals, one was a flash screen by Brock Besser and the JT Miller goal. Uh, the other one were the Zadora goal. There's a double screen going on there with Hoaglander and Pedersen, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, those details on the offensive side of things too, just a, a good job of you know playing and sticking to those to those principles, which what you want to do against a team like this. That, that was kind of the recipe against Edmonton. Uh, there was a lot of uh, you know screens in that game, and I, I saw a lot of that from Vancouver tonight as well. Just getting in the way of Lyon and, and making his yeah. life difficult. And and tonight we we've been so accustomed to saying the third line has been the Canucks' best line recently. And no Dakota Joshua, of course. You mentioned Mikheyev; he was on that line, but. Tonight, I thought the Swedish trio of Elias Pettersson, Elias Lindholm, and Niels Hoaglander was the Canucks' best trio tonight. Yeah, they were dynamic. And I think with anybody that was maybe looking for, okay, Elias Lindholm, let's see uh, let's see what he's about. That play where generates speed through the neutral zone and just lets a rip. It looks like Lyon maybe was anticipating that to go wide or, or what it may, whatever it may have been. But went off to, off to the line mate that was, I think it was Hoaglander was uh, skating with him there. Yeah, and, you know, just a, a great job there. But even late in this game where head up, Elias Pettersson makes the play in the defensive zone, boom, headed the other way. Them playing with speed. We see a, a couple of different looks on the way that they score goals. But I like that they're, you know, two of those goals came from speed, which is exactly what you want. You want this team to, when the moment is right, you go for it, and scoring off the rush, I, I loved seeing that. Yeah, you can see the quick little burst there from Eli uh, Elias Lindholm, right? Like he's clearly got just a little bit more juice, and you know, we, we talked just a bona fide top six guy. You can see the overall quality that he's got, and then you know, it, it's starting to come together, obviously, with that line. They showed flashes there in that third period, now build upon another big game as well in today's result. Yeah, and... We, we talk about Lindholm a lot. It's going to take a while for him to really get acclimated. 
but he's got a few goals already. You know, it's got to be nice to get a two-goal night here tonight. Elias Pettersson has three assists. Hoaglander picks up an assist. But in terms of building towards something, this is something you want to keep giving a chance to. We spoke about this on the pregame show, yep. Randy. You want to really give a nice run here to Elias Pettersson with Lindholm and, and see if they can really build something. And tonight, I'm hoping we're going to look back and say that's the night these guys really started kindling some magic together. If they keep on you know, producing results, it's tough for any coach to say, hey, let's shake it up, right? Especially on a night where maybe the production of the other line wasn't to the level of this, but you get JT Miller scoring a goal. Uh, you get some opportunities for that line. And with the next opposition, remember, the next two, really, the Jets are a, a deep team. They're very good. And even though they've had peaks and valleys over the last couple of weeks here, uh, that's a team with their stars. You're going to have to have two top lines against them. And right now, guys, with Min what Minnesota is doing, one of the hotter teams in the NHL, uh, having, you know, you have some runway to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with whoever your opposition is. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think having that runway with Lindholm, Pedersen, and Hoaglander uh, is going to be important here. And you want to you want to see what they can do after four or five games. This is exciting, but hopefully, you know, when they're playing a Seattle or when they're playing a little bit later on, uh, maybe on the next homestand, you can kind of get the true form of what this line can be. Well, Winnipeg will be a fantastic uh, opportunity to audition that line against quality competition yep. and really just see, okay, how does it, you know, like the stress test. And if it performs there, I've been saying here, with the way Hoaglander's scored here, there's no reason to not to give him extended run in the top six. I'm talking about the rest of February here, that it should be Hoaglander in the top six, and the most obvious spot there is with Lindholm and Pedersen. So if you have two lines sorted out, it's okay, now you can kind of play around with that Miller-Besser-Suter line. But even they were pretty good tonight. We can expand on that a bit more with Hoaglander, especially in that line as the show goes on. But... The entire top six, I thought J.T. Miller tonight was skating really well. Yep. And maybe a comedic moment towards the end. J.T. Miller goes offside. The empty net goal by Brock Besser comes That's off three. the board. That's three goals now. J.T. Miller has nullified for his teammate. And he joked how he's getting dirty looks like it's his wife looking over at him disapprovingly for taking the goals away from him. Another one here tonight. But I thought J.T. was skating really well. And that line looked as lively as we've seen the past few games. Yeah, that was a, a spirited game from them. And you mentioned J.T. I thought there's a couple of moments in that game as well with with Brock Besser, he also had a great back check on the defensive side of things too. So, shouts to him. That line was strong as well. Let's go outside the Canucks locker room where we're joined by Canucks defenseman Nikita Zadorov after a 4-1 victory over the Red Wings. And Nikita, uh, you missed the last couple of games due to suspension. You mentioned, you know, everything about that and how you deserve the two games, but you're over that now. How good did it feel, though, to get back on the ice with the guys tonight? Yeah, I mean, that's what I do for a living, right? So, it's exciting to get back to work. How did it uh, feel to get in there and throw some hits as well? You mentioned this morning that you're not going to change your game. It uh, doesn't matter if it's a suspension or not. Uh, it was a physical game out there, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was. It was a lot of emotions, a lot of acting. Uh, I mean, that's my style of the game, so I'm definitely going to keep going. Uh, I'm trying to be clean next time. Uh, the, the penalty kill did such a great job uh, this evening. There, there was all those penalties in the first period, and then, you know, Detroit doesn't even get a shot on goal in the first period. And just overall, it's 5-for-5 five five by the penalty kill tonight. You spent some time there as well. Uh, can you speak on uh, what the shorthanded unit did tonight? Yeah, no, we have a uh, really good group of guys on the, sh on the PK. There, you know, I think we spent uh, some time to discussing how Detroit's going to play. We were prepared, and we executed well. I think uh, 
it's been uh, it's been good so far. I know we give up uh, a goal in Chicago. We give up uh, a goal in Carolina. So we just we were just trying to stick to it. You know, we believe in ourselves. You no, know, we're a good group over there, and we can make a difference in the game. That's what happened today. Uh, you mentioned there were a lot of penalties called in this game, and it seemed like you know you you know the Red Wings were going down a little bit easy. How frustrating is it when you're playing a team when that happens and the officials keep bailing them out? Well, I mean, I don't know what can I say about that. I want to get fined. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can. You know, I feel like twenty thousand people saw what's going on there. <laughs> it wasn't in our favorite, and I don't think. Uh, people on the ice did a good job. So, <coughs> but I mean, it's, it's, it's only one of the games. Hopefully, they will be better next game. Well, twenty thousand people also saw your first goal for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, was there any confusion? Do you think Elias Pettersson might be might have got a deflection on that one? <laughs> he took one away from you earlier this year. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, I don't know. That, that's when we skated to the pile. When I shot it, I kind of thought somebody tipped it because uh, it was a good screen from net, but it went in. You know. I mean, it's. Uh, it's been a long time since I scored. I mean, I had more goals last year, so hopefully it's uh, it's a good sign. Uh, Nikita, how often do you work on your dance moves? Uh, it was uh, caught on camera there, a <laughs> the little uh, cheeky uh, one over at the bench. Not that much as guys in red. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nikita, listen, fantastic stuff, man. Always appreciate your time and, and your candor. Great stuff this evening, and best of luck on Saturday against the Winnipeg Jets. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You got it. That is Nikita Zadorov. And wow, spicy. I love it. I love it. Uh, great man stuff. Has some He's got some swagger. There's he does. Not only the way he plays on the ice. He'll but tell it how it is. Yeah, he doesn't shy away from voicing his opinion. Yeah, I mean, he, and, he, and you know what? Like, I would say the Canucks win this one 4-1. I don't want to sit here and, and, and bemoan the officiating all night. But, man, it was a, it was a very interesting night because the Red Wings were going down easy. But some really, inef uh, I'd say, inconsistent calls tonight in terms of the infraction, what they let go and what they ended up calling. And it seemed like this parade to the penalty box for the Canucks the entire night. And I'm not quite sure they earn all those uh, penalties. So I can understand the frustration that Zadorov is, uh, ex is expressing there about how the Red Wings were playing tonight. Yeah, he wasn't the only one. Rick Tockett during out, uh, throughout the game was saying, really? Uh, <laughs> another one like that? So his facial expressions, um, the way he was communicating with the referees, I'm sure Coach has his opinion. But one thing about Tockett that we've seen is that he doesn't necessarily voice that in the media. He has his own one-on-one -on -one conversations with the referees. But generally... Uh, applauds or compliments the referees and says it's a tough job. So I don't expect the coach to say anything, but Nikita Zadorov was pretty direct, not only about the officiating, but what he thought was going on in the, the red jerseys as well in terms of maybe drawing those calls and some of the other theatrics. Yeah, well, the Larkin moment in particular, right, because they, they'd already gotten a host of power yeah. plays, and he's trying to enter the zone. And, look, there, there is stick contact, but nothing to, to, to really knock over a player like Dylan Larkin. And JT, it was like a sharp turn right to the corner just to say something. And as they're just getting back up the ice, you know, Larkin's going at JT and they're going back at each other. And JT skates off and there's a scrum in the corner. And JT kind of, he, he just gotten off and he sits at the corner of the bench, puts his legs over the board. And you can see he's waiting for Larkin to skate by. And then they start going after it. And Zadorov's there involved with it as well. So, you know, I, we, we joke about the gritty thing and everything like that. But a night like tonight, it, it's just one of those kind of fun moments that you remember in the season. You hope it's like something that brings a group together, more so than just the two points, of course, which is important. But you, you use these things as a, hopefully a, a bonding moment as well for the team. Connor Garland was talking about the, kind of the, the unity that this team has. And he was referencing the Dakota Joshua fight in Chicago. But it's kind of the pack mentality that this team has. We mentioned Zadorov. It's, 
I don't really see a guy on the opposite bench that could really rival him physically. So that's why there wasn't a, a one-to-one tussle or, or whatever. But there was a moment in that game where Wallman gets hit by Niels Hoaglander's stick. And Wallman goes back at Hoaglander. Who's the first guy in? It's Nikita Zadorov protecting. His, you're starting to see that more with this team, which is great because that's the type of physicality you yeah. see in the playoffs. You don't see, you know, those one-on-one. You're essentially saying, hey, I'm standing up for my teammate. We're starting to see a lot more of that with this team. They're not the biggest team, most physical team, not the fastest team. But if you play together as a unit and you have each other's backs, you become really hard to play against. And one of the things about this Canucks team, and remove the physicality aside, and I thought the Red Wings were very frustrated tonight because they didn't have a lot of space out there. Like we've mentioned, the, the scoring chances. The Canucks, when they're at their best, to contest every play. Their sticks are very active, taking away passes. But also, you don't get to go through the neutral zone unencumbered. There's always somebody on you, always somebody pressuring you and, and making life miserable for you and you can see the frustration really start creeping up for the wings as the night went on and two players that are really good at that are Pew Suter and Teddy Bluger and yeah. you know against a player like Teddy Bluger if you're a skill guy and there was a, a, a chance here not a chance a, a play in the offensive zone for Lucas Raymond he takes the puck and goes into the right hand side and gets absolutely drilled by Teddy Bluger stays on the ice goes back to the bench the Canucks right now if you're a skill player you got to keep your head up and that's that's the type of hockey that excites me about the playoffs because every inch has to be earned of ice. And the Canucks are, you know, sure, it hasn't been the most consistent in terms of process over the maybe five or six games. But what are you starting to see? This is a team that is difficult to play against. And they're starting to ratchet up little by little as this creeps closer to March and April, which is a good sign. Love watching Teddy Booger play, man. Because there's, right, there's just so many of these moments. And actually, Suter had a couple of chances uh, or moments, too, where, you know, it, it's, it's the chip the body up the ice and just slow somebody down, either trying to get into the back pressure or trying to be the late trailer. And, and those two guys just have moments like that all throughout the evening in, in, in so many games that it, it's not the traditional physicality that we think of. Someone like Dakota Joshua does such a great job just walloping guys into the glass, into the boards on, on tenacious forechecks. It's just smart, subtle plays like that that just detach players from the sequence of the play, and it's just hard to get reattached all of a sudden. And you're winning with positioning constantly. And there were moments even in the offensive zone, all these players are just winning with leverage. Hoaglander on, on a power play in the second period against Ben Chirot, right? Big size advantage, but just kind of twirls, works his way, and gets the leverage and gets that deflection opportunity that Garland threads through. They're just all these subtle, smart moments that it's not the bruising physicality. It just work off of the bodies, and, and they find their ways to do it. And, and Pfluger, uh, to, to me, does such a good job about that. And this is stuff they practice. Like yeah. This is stuff in terms of body positioning. Getting like One of the things that this coaching staff has done a terrific job of is teaching on a day-to-day -day basis. And they do so much work with individual players. You mentioned Niels Hoaglander. You, yep. They saw him out tonight, today, in the morning skate, out there earlier working with Rick Tockett. Now, that was on the power play, but these are the types of things they really hone in on. They realize they're not the fastest team, not the biggest team, but they understand that leverage matters and body positioning is everything when it comes to winning board battles and winning pucks and boxing guys out in front. And these are the types of things they work on extensively in practice and in the video room. So it's not a coincidence that you're seeing these things happen. And that goes for everybody on the roster. Even earlier today, JT Miller had a one-on-one, -on -one, basically a five-minute sequence with Rick Tockett talking about you know defensive play and essentially you know positioning um, 
where Rick Tockett was having that one-on-one instruction. So you talk about, you know, Niels Hoaglander, but it's it's every player. It doesn't matter if you're on an entry-level deal or if you're on a on one of the highest earners, and that sets the culture, right? That's something that we've talked about where every player is trying to get a little bit better and prep themselves for go time, which is, at first, we were talking about hashtag the start. Now we're talking about hashtag, you know, spring hockey, right? That, that's the reality. Hashtag spring hockey. And, you know, I mean, essentially there. Final one before, you know, what do you have, Vic? Oh, I just ahead. wanted to bring up one other guy, um, Noah Juleson. Yes. Yep. I thought he was fantastic in the first PK period. PK especially. PK especially. And it was against Detroit again because the last time we saw this, and a play we talked about in great detail, sat that backhand take where Kane tried passing to the back post and he stopped it perfectly yeah. in the backhand and got it out. That was the last game. This one, this time it's Raymond trying to get Comfort on the back post, and who's there? It's Noah Juleson, right? Gets a deflection up into the netting and solved, and he blocks a bunch of shots on the PK. I, I thought early on when there was that, you know, moment, it's like all these power plays, Noah Juleson was the one that uh, helped keep it uh, no goals against Great job there on the blocks, as you mentioned as well. But there was also a couple of opportunities on the PK where getting in the passing lanes uh, with the stick, right? We talk about active stick and something we haven't necessarily seen over the last couple of years. But Noah Juleson, with three blocks right off the bat, really set the tone and helped that PK really ease into what they did for the rest of the night. Yeah, and uh, last one before we let you go, Thatcher Demko. He wasn't called into action a ton, but there was a couple of great chances, especially that strong chance coming across. I thought it was going to be a sure goal, a desperation pad save, and maybe gets a blocker on it as well. You mentioned uh, another save he made uh, as well. Patrick Kane. On Patrick Kane. So when he was called into action, he was stellar. Yeah, and, you know, game 40 for him, we always keep an eye on how many games he's going to play and all of that, but he looked fresh tonight. He looked ready to go, and the team in front of him, did a pretty good job of protecting the middle of the ice. But when those three or four opportunities came up, uh, there was no hesitation. His rebound control was great too. Uh, I think there was maybe one that popped out and ended up going to Olimata, who ends up taking a slap shot back at Thatcher Demko, and he absorbs it cleanly. Uh, just very sponge-like today where it wasn't, you know, it was alert. He was on his game, but at the same time, he was not giving the opposition any second opportunities, yeah. which is exactly what you want from your star goalie. The only thing I was disappointed by with Thatcher Demko was didn't get the empty net goal. <laughs> That's <laughs> the only thing. Didn't get the empty net goal. Oh, so close. Why do, I, why do defensemen have to be like that, man? Just go for a twirl Why do you, why why do you have to take the goal away? Come on. Good night. We, we joked last year when we saw uh, Linus Allmark do it. We like, oh, I've always wanted to see a goalie goal. But that the away goal. Away <laughs> goal. <laughs> do the home man, goal. it would have been so great. And, would he have hit a gritty? I don't know. He, he may would have. He, would he have done that one? I mean, Demko like, does in, have dance moves. In the goalie gear, that would have been amazing. Not even the, like that dance, just any And move. somewhere Jeremy Swimmins like, man, this guy wouldn't even hug me and he dances. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if, if a goalie scores a goal, it's like, do whatever you do whatever want. You want. Yeah, yeah throw it a mask, throw it in, do whatever you want. All right, hey, Randy, great stuff, man, calling the game. Uh, good to have you back on the broadcast and look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Cheers, boys. Saturday night, Winnipeg. Should be a good one. Uh, can't wait, man. It's going to be a fantastic one. Canucks and Jets, and that is coming up. Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday. But the Canucks Central postgame show continues on. Grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. You can also get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Um, we have a lot of texts coming in, a lot of thoughts. Bick, let's hit a few of these. Uh, unsung hero, this one comes in, Noah Juleson. Mm-hmm. He's getting a lot of love, and it's just remarkable how far he's come from being a guy that was on the outside looking in 
to now not only playing, but playing a sizable role all of a sudden. Yeah, there were two players that got a lion's share of the text in the first intermission. One was Elias Lindholm, uh, who gets his goal in the home debut, uh, but Juleson was getting so much love from Canucks fans in the first intermission. Couldn't read all the text, but he's getting more as this postgame show continues. Text in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Catching up here. Uh, having Zadorov back tonight, realize how much fun he is to have in the lineup. Hope the Canucks make a real effort. Keep this guy past this season. Uh, unsigned text there. Uh, Gavin from Victoria, Zadorov was better tonight, right? Uh, certainly, you know, physicality yeah, was on display absolutely. from Zadorov. The puck-carrying ability uh, on display from Zadorov. And then, of course, the, the moment that everyone's uh, loving so far. Uh, this one, uh, call from Golf Guy. I've been a loud voice asking Patterson to be consistent. Tonight, good game to build on. He's had other games three-plus points, but he played better on each shift tonight very early. But maybe these three guys have some chemistry. Uh, also, one of my concerns is five-on-five five play for our top players. Again, good game to build on tonight. Go talk at hockey. Nice to see a feisty game. That is playoff style. That is from Qualcomm Golf Guy in the inbox. Yeah, and I mean uh – as far as five on five went, the Canucks did carry the run of play tonight. They had the more shots. They had more scoring chances. Uh, a lot of special teams time tonight, especially for the Detroit Red Wings. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll hit some more as the show goes on here. But let's go to the phone boards and get a call in before we hit the break. Let's go, let's go to Surrey where we have Raj on the line. Raj, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts here tonight? Hey, guys. Obviously, I'm loving the way the Canucks are playing. Let me go very quick on certain things. I think Miller really is the spiritual leader of this team. When we're doing bad, we see it on his face. When we're doing good, he's laughing. And he starts every play. He often gets that first goal. He's just so worth the $8 million. It's crazy. Um, I'd like to say the goal was funny that we had against us because Quinn Hughes literally got topped like five feet. And when we yeah. go to playoffs, like, that's what scares me. But, you know, sometimes it's going to happen. He's a smaller guy. And last but not least, uh, this might be a little bit off topic from the Canucks, but it comes back. Um, what do you guys think about the Morgan Raleigh suspension? Do you think it was worth five games? And, you know, he hit the gritty woman, hit the gritty after the game, and, you know, we're giving him flack for that. But what do you think about that five-game suspension, especially because of the Gallagher five-game suspension? And while I was going down a rabbit hole, I noticed that, you know, the longest suspension, and Shane Pinto's name came up for gambling, but then, surprisingly, out of nowhere, Rick Tockett and Travis Green's name came up for gambling in 2000, 2007, and 2008. <laughs> they were in a gambling ring together. Yes, very well yeah. documented. Hey, yeah. hey, thanks for the phone call. Uh, that's Raj and Surrey calling in. Yeah, Operation Slapshot, yeah. lest we forget. Look, but, yes. Really quick on the Riley thing. Like, he got what he deserved. Yeah. Five games. Sounds about right. Play I mean, dumb games, win dumb prizes. The gritty th I'd say the, the Walman gritty thing. Absolutely, you're right. It's by far way more harmless but it's, it's also just, it's having fun this is attacking someone yeah and the wallman thing i think was a lot of tongue-in-cheek commentary yeah. on it i don't think anybody was really taking it overly seriously however based on how zadorov answered his question and ian cole even when he said hey don't let the guy score that's the best way to not have somebody celebrate and dance and he said yeah maybe some guys on the team didn't love it it was clear some of the guys on the team didn't love it but you handled it the right way yeah. you tease the guy you win the hockey game you take care of business sure Fine, fantastic stuff. Um, and, and there were moments even as as the night developed, like he had a exchange with Pew Suter. They get the penalties uh, late in the game, 
and it, it just felt like it kind of took on a life of its own for Waldman. That he, he entered, I thought, the Roussel versus Vegas phase of the game, where he's going out Ooh, of his way yeah. trying to do things. It's like, just just play the game. Just play the game. Don't <laughs> you're, worry about you're, it. You're dash three tonight. You're rattled. You're now taking penalties. Just just play the game. Yeah, just play the game. Keep it simple. And the Canucks certainly did a lot of that here tonight. And a 4-1 win over the Detroit Red Wings. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. You are listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show, presented by the number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports, too. More coming up next in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Still two points up on the Devils right now for that final wild card spot. Sider drives a shot from the line. Block wide to the net. Rebound left side. Strong. Couldn't get it to the goal. It's a two-on-one for the Canucks the other way. Henderson right wing to the net. Stick handled. Lost it in front for Lindholm. He scores! The Canucks strike in transition. Elias Lindholm has his second of the game, and it's 4-1 Vancouver. And the Canucks hit him on the counterattack, absorbing pressure. Elias Pettersson coming down the ice and looks like he fumbles the puck and has lost the opportunity. But Elias Lindholm just waits right in front of Lyon, waiting for the spot, stick on the ice, and slams it past the Detroit goaltender to make this 4-1. That is your play of the game. Elias Pettersson getting his third assist on the evening, setting up Elias Lindholm. And a little bit of, I want to say, good fortune. He's on a two-on-one with Niels Hoaglander, uh, misses the kind of mishandles the puck, can't mm-hmm. get it across, but it buys enough time for Lindholm to catch up and then slides it over to him to get that goal at that moment. And another strong game from Elias Lindholm. It's been, you know, up and down since he was acquired by the Vancouver Canucks. Elias Patterson, of course, Big. You know he's been under a lot of criticism despite the fact that he's now sitting at 72 points on the season. And you are listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the Homier Canucks Sportsnet 650, presented by the number 5 Orange on the Homier Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Big Nazar. Now keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. You can grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. But on that play, but also on... That trio in general tonight, a strong performance from those three players. And it's nice to see Elias Lindholm and Elias Pettersson have a little bit of chemistry brewing. Yeah, and that whole play starts with the shot block in the defensive zone by Lindholm at the point. I think it was on Mort Sider. And then it's just a, a, another long shot, hits the backboards, and Pedersen gets there to poke it away from Kopp, trying to get a rebound opportunity off that backboard and generates that long two-on-one, which you can see developing from the Canucks' blue line the whole way. And he ultimately fumbles the puck there on the pass to Hoaglander, or a potential shot, but has the wherewithal, sees the trailer, hits that guy in Lindholm you know, with the goalie, Double clutching, confused where the puck is going to go. Uh, Lindholm gets his second in his home debut. Now four goals in Vancouver, 13 on the year. So a handful of games for Lindholm, four goals and six. You know, that's something to 
put a feather in the cap for Lindholm as he's uh, ingratiating himself in his new environment. Three primary assists tonight, though, from Elias Pettersson. We had the earlier text there from Golf Guy just talking about the consistency of Pettersson. In the calendar year of 2024 now, at 5-on-5, this puts Pettersson up to 17 points, which is good for tied for fourth in the league. He did total points per 60. He's second behind Nick Roy. So he's basically crushing it right now, five on five, for points in the calendar year so far. I think that's pretty good. I think that's decent. I've heard. It's not bad. Not bad. De- decent work. Josh, can we Patterson. confirm? Josh Elliott, can we confirm that that's good? Josh was not Josh, listening. thumbs up. But he, but thumbs he gives up. a thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> he was very confused for a moment, but he gives a, a thumbs up. When he asks for an action, he will provide it. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd say another part of how that line played tonight was their defensive play was really solid. And you see Elias Lindholm and the smarts that he has. You saw it on the PK, of course, too. Now that's not playing with that trio. But I thought they were fantastic through all three zones tonight, that line. And that's something that I was wondering where we could see that impact come in with Elias Lindholm defensively, too. And we know Elias Pedersen can be a really good defensive player. That's kind of waned the past couple weeks. But tonight was a night where both those guys, and also Niels Hoagnander, of course, on that line, they did a really good work in their own zone. Didn't spend a lot of time yeah, there. Yeah, and the Zadorov goal, too, right? It's There's a face-off win by Detroit. Sider with the weird pass. He didn't hit the wall. He didn't hit the middle guy. It goes right to Zadorov, who just slides it down. It's all this good work below the line. Here's Lindholm protecting the puck. Just chips it across to Hoaglander. He gets a touch across to Pedersen. It's a strong wrap attempt. It slides off his stick. It goes into the corner, and there it is, like, Here's Zadorov kind of doing the Carson Soucy shot that we've seen him do from that half wall, just kind of flicks one on, and traffic in front. Three guys, the the levels that Rick Tockett always mentions. Yeah. It's it's a net front presence. There's a Detroit Red Wing, and then there's another guy, Pedersen, trying to get his stick on it, and there's the elements of that they're trying to create, and that one finds its way in for Zadorov's first as a Canuck as well. Uh, do you think there are levels to this? Is that what you're saying? There are levels. I wasn't, <laughs> no, but uh, I, I see you work, and you're operating on another level. <laughs> On a different plane is how we're operating now. Are you are you playing 4D chess, Sat? I'd say are, so. Are you doing that? 4D? No, I I wouldn't say so. You play 3D. Well, on bad nights, <laughs> on bad nights. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. A lot coming in here. This one says six points clear now, a first place in the league. Even the biggest homer like myself could not predict this. This cup run is going to be something else. Sneaky Pete and Burnaby, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Keep a lot of text. Team. Yeah, a lot of text coming about the uh, standings right now. They've created some distance. A handful of teams behind them, all at seventy-four points, all with one game less played. But nevertheless, uh, they've created distance between them and Florida, Boston, and Dallas, who come to town March twenty-eighth. So you know, still some time between that game and and today for Dallas to try to make up that ground potential. You know, four-pointer then. Yeah. But as we we talked in in the uh, during Connect Central yeah, today, the crossover. Mm-hmm. Are we crossover? Cross- no, round table. table. We don't call it. Sorry, the we call it round table. Uh, crossover. You know the. For me, it's like the more important is, is the Pacific Division. Uh, it'd be nice, obviously, the the conference and President's Trophy. But the, the Pacific Division gap is really starting to open up here too. Yeah, I mean Edmonton loses. Um, yeah. You know Vegas. 
they're so far behind Vancouver now. I mean, LA is all the way in the rearview mirror, and the Canucks yeah. just keep on going. And that that doesn't mean the job is done. There, there's 12 points between the Canucks and the Golden Knights. We have two games in hand. So even if they win, it's, it's eight points. So that, that, that's large. We're in the we're now into the final third of the season. There's still 27 games. Are we winning. in the end game? We're getting close to it. We're getting close to it. I mean, 20, 20, 27 games. Wow, that got a nod of approval from Josh. Josh like, so happy. Josh was the happiest I've seen him in a while. That was amazing. <laughs> Very happy. Big smile on Josh's face right now. Uh, what, were, what were we talking about? Now I'm all the, confused. The, the, the final. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, 27 games. The 20, well, yeah, you're in the final third of the season. There's still a lot of time mm-hmm. left. I mean, or two-thirds in, so there's still a sizable chunk. But given how many points the Canucks have banked at this point, if they go 500, they're going to be sitting here at with 108 points at the end of the season. And that's just going 500. Yeah. Like, let alone, you know, do something even better than that. And that's what a great start can do for you. And with the way the Canucks are trending, we haven't seen their best version. I thought tonight was the best game they've played from a from their staple standpoint mm-hmm. since the road trip. And that five-game road trip had some good moments, but it was kind of like get through it. Tonight was a game where can they build towards now honing in on who they truly are and really taking that next step in terms of their chemistry and, and how they play as a team because that's what you want to see over the final third of the season here. Can you play your best hockey heading into the playoffs and feel really good about how you can handle things? Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think what like what their best game would have been. Uh, here in recent memory, I, I think it's this one. There was a clean um, game; like they, they gave up next to nothing. We, I mean, there was like two or three scoring chances, five on five, that we keep referring to the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. The penalties we talked about, how some soft penalties called tonight, uh, a prey to the penalty box to the Vancouver Canucks, Nikita Zadorov, uh, essentially saying the Red Wings going down way too easy, and the refs were calling pretty much everything here against the Canucks tonight. But with all that. They were very the clean. Arizona game, I guess the the two one. But that was a home game. I mean, right, but I'm about trying to like think of when, like, when the last like really sharp, dominant, like sixty minute game effort, was, so yeah. to speak. Like tonight, I mean, I I don't I can't think of any any sequence throughout through tonight's game where the Canucks were like behind the play for a mm-hmm. couple of minutes. It just seemed like either going back and forth or really being in control for the most part, five on five. Yeah, and, and you know we mentioned Juleson, mentioned Zadorov. It was it was all sixty minute to be fair. At any time they retrieved a puck, they, there was someone there to support it. They got it out cleanly, and, and that's where those staples come in that we mentioned is helping your teammate out, being there for puck support on loose pucks. There was just so much of that throughout the course of the evening. Yeah, and a big part of that was you know, how the Canucks were just contesting everything tonight. Uh, a lot of reaction on text inbox, 650, 650. Uh, Raymond says, uh, my friend Robin is a huge fan of the postgame show. Can you guys give him a shout-out? So shout-out to Robin, Robin and Raymond. Appreciate you listening as always. Uh, and a lot of fun here on the postgame show. Thanks for tuning in tonight. After a 4-1 Canucks win over the Detroit Red Wings, um, JJ in Coquitlam texted and says, unsung heroes, Juleson are diamond in the rough, Hoaglander, uh, n- Never hogs the puck uh, by pigs out on opponents. Garland, by far, our unsung star. Joshua, the tree we got for free. Teddy, steady bear is always ready. That's from JJ in Coquitlam. Throwing the rhymes in, too. That was a lot of work. Well played. That's, that's some competing in the inbox Yeah, working there. hard to get on, man. I mean, that's what we asked for. Uh, 656 50. Uh, the surgical nature, that one's from Viking Sad. Surgical, surgical nature in which Canucks are taking care of business right now. Blowing, blowing me away. Top guys aren't on fire. Power play's not rolling. No problem. Our five-on-five play is our strength is massive heading towards the playoffs. Hope we 
keep that up. Uh, this one, Curtis in Kamloops texting in. Uh, guys, uh, we're running away with yeah. Pacific, running away with the West, to running away with the whole league. What is happening? Uh, I mean, it's it's really, really it's incredible watching this team do what it's doing this season. And the thing that's encouraging, most encouraging about it, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, but – I don't think we've seen the best version of them, especially since getting Elias Lindholm. Tonight was a lot closer to it, and I, th- I still think there's more you can see. And, you know, we, we, we can get to the third line a bit more here, Garland, McCabe getting in on that line. But the other story to me was JT Miller and Brock Besser. I thought JT moved as well as he's moved in recent games. Brock Besser had a couple of good moments. I thought Pew Suter was a hound the entire night, forechecking. And now I think Petrie makes a horrible play on the first goal of the game. JT Miller scores. But he doesn't turn that puck over if Suter is not aggressively forechecking and getting in his grill as much as possible. It's a bad pass, but it just shows he's not you that much in his grill. No, but he's he's pressuring him. He, 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 he pushes all the way. He pushes him all the yeah. way. All I'm saying is, if you don't do that, that sure. puck's not getting turned over. Sure. It's a bad play by Petrie, but that entire that puck we, pressure all night was a thing all night. We asked JT about it in the first intermission, and he kind of did the uh, yeah. He kind of made a bit of an error on the yeah. play. He was trying to clean it up as much as he could, but it was. A, a rough one that on that play. But, again, you make the best of it thereafter. Uh, I, I thought, you know, Brock was really unlucky on a chance in the first period, even before that goal. Um, it's Suter who creates a turnover in the corner. Miller picks up the puck and gets it to Brock, and it goes off the stick uh, of, of a, a Red Wings D-man. And that, to me, was like a great chance that we've seen you know, Brock and Miller connect on so often. Uh, that to me was unlucky. So it's kind of keeping an eye on Brock Besser. You know, the the, the goals in in games haven't really been there. Obviously got the hat trick here recently. But just the overall attempts to me was something to keep an eye on for Brock. It ends up being six attempts, but only one shot on goal. Yeah, I mean, the empty net goal gets taken away because JT Miller slides offside. But that's an empty net goal in terms of, like, scoring five on five with a goalie out and picking your spots. It's been a bit of a tougher go for Brock Besser, but he was on such a heater. It was bound to slow down a little bit. But uh, in terms of JT's consistency with his production, it's also remarkable. He's up at 70 points in the season, but Elias Pettersson now leads the Canucks in scoring 72 points on the campaign. Passed him. Yeah, so uh, he is back to being the leading scorer for the Canucks. JT had a momentary uh, lead there uh, on on Pettersson in the first intermission, and then uh, by the end of it, uh, he passed him. And as we mentioned earlier, too, um, this calendar year, Pettersson sitting number two in five-on-five points. Uh, JT Miller now up to 11 in 19 games in this calendar year, which is good for 28. Seven goals at 5-on-5 for JT. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, the production has been their 5-on-5. I mean, I know last year there was a lot of talk about JT being a power play producer and secondary assist. This year he's one of the best primary point producers in the National Hockey League, even on 5-on-5. So it's been uh, dominant in all phases. The one phase where they've struggled recently is the power play. PK's made up for it because the penalty kill has been spectacular, and it was spectacular again tonight, I thought, against the Red Wings. They didn't generate, they didn't give up much of anything. But the power play is the one spot you want to yeah. see them get going again. And you know what? Maybe we'll build on this sure. as the show goes on here a little bit because let's get to the thoughts of the Canucks head coach. Canucks win 4-1 over the Red Wings, and here is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after the game. Yeah, obviously we took a lot of penalties. Uh, penalty was great. Obviously Denver, a couple of those unreal backdoor plays were phenomenal. For the most part, I like the effort. You know, it's a long road trip coming back. You know, the one-day turnaround, it's always scary. And I thought, for the most part, the effort was there for, uh, for the circumstances. Do you like the way your guys responded when the temperature increased in the game and there was a little bit of extra stuff later on? 
yeah, I just, you know, we hung in there. You know, like I said, you, you obviously don't want to get given the team that many penalties. I mean, it was, uh, there was a lot of penalties they had to kill. But I, like I said, we hung in there. Denver was great. Got some timely goals. Lindholm actually had a, you know, super game for us. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a, it was a game that, uh, you know, I'm sure people are like, hey, what, you know, coming from that long trip, how we would react. And I, I thought the, the guys did a really nice job. Got to give them a lot of credit. A couple of the guys brought up that it was, you know, similar to the feeling of playoff hockey. How much do you take away from the way that your team acted in this game and played, I guess, throughout through the emotion? Yeah, I, I thought for the most part it was good. I, you know, a little bit in the second, the mismanagement of the puck, you know, we, we got a but not as much. I think the uh, the game in um, in Detroit, I think we learned from that three when we were up three to one. I thought we were a lot better handling that 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 lead, to be honest with you. Uh, and what did you just, I guess, just thoughts on Thatcher Demko throughout this game? It felt yeah. like when you needed a save, you got it from him tonight. Yeah, those backdoor plays of the power play were outstanding. I mean, those, you know, those are tappets, and he came from nowhere. So, uh, yeah, he was super tonight. Super. Uh, Rick, you mentioned uh, Lindholm. Did he look more comfortable to you tonight? And do you think that's his <clears throat> his spot for now, just to be the center with Petey? You know, like I said, you guys, I've been bouncing around, wing, center. I, you know, I don't think that's fair to the kid. I think he's a good – I think he's a centerman, you know, and tonight I'm not saying I'm – because he got two goals, I was right. I just think he's a centerman. Um, just the way he, the positional, his positional play. Um, if there's a mistake, he's in the right position. You know, you just, you can, t- I can tell. He just knows where to go in certain situations. Doesn't cheat the game. Blocks a shot at the end. That's why we required him. So, for now, I'd like to keep him at center. And you said this morning that you hope to know uh, more in the afternoon about Dakota's. Uh, how the assessment came back? Can you can you tell us how long he'll be out? What the time frame is? Uh, I can't give you an exact, but um, it doesn't look like he's gonna play next game either. But I, I can't go further than that. Still, you know, still I gotta sit with the doctors and, and whatever the plan is from there. But yeah, how do you think McKay played on that line? I, I think he was okay. I think he was a little bit better. You know, um, you know, I thought he skated a little bit better tonight. Coach, this morning you mentioned that you guys were happy with the results, but maybe not the process. And, and as a process guy, you were looking for more. Did you get the sense after this two points that the group is in the same mindset? They're happy with the win, but not particularly satisfied overall? Um, yeah, I, I think they could, I think the guys are, you know, it was a hard-fought win. Um, you know, I think, you know, we stayed overnight in Chicago, and I think that really helped us too for today. Um, you know, we'll get a practice tomorrow, and then we'll we'll see how we react to the next game. I don't think we'll have a morning skate. I think we got to really manage their their uh, energy level. Um, you know, that five. You know, this next week, this whole week's a really tough trip for us. We just come off one. We got big turnarounds. I think we fly out sunny place Monday after after four hour flight. There's a lot of a lot of things are testing this team, and um, it's good for us. So we'll see how we handle it. Do you grade a game like that thinking about would this get it done in the playoffs? Is that a perspective? Again, I'm sorry, sorry. Would you grade a game like this versus as thinking about it like would it get it done in the playoffs? Is that something that you're thinking about at this point? <clears throat> yeah, because you're gonna in the playoffs, you, you got it's you're gonna get a lot of stuff. You're gonna get, you know, there might be four. The other team might get four power plays. You know, you might things might not go your way, and you got to hang in there, and you need everybody to hang in there. You know, you can't get frustrated. You know, 
if something's not working, you can't just get frustrated. And I thought, for the most part, we didn't really get frustrated. I know some of the penalties, some of the guys were, you know, and I think there were some were legit, I guess. Um, but I, I, I didn't, you know, I actually was getting more mad than the players, which I really, I like that they weren't, you know. So uh, they were, uh, they hung in there. So yeah, that's a playoff temperament, hundred percent. And we look at Lindholm and Pedersen, but you've got Hoaglander there too. Do you think Hoaglander fits Pedersen better now than he did at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I think Hoggy early this season was playing fancy. You know, when you, when sometimes when you're a guy like him, you play with good players. You start. I think if you watch him, he's you know he was outstanding in the corners. He's, his corner work has just been the last month, and um, he was playing a little nasty tonight too. I love that about him. Like he was just getting in there. So um, had a couple of chances there too. So yeah, no, I, I actually liked Hoggy's game again tonight. He he fits that bill of being a nasty. He's in the corners. He's taking the puck in the net. If he can, if he can stay with that and not get too fancy, I think, uh, you know, he can really climb the ladder on that. Demko's had a bit of a uh, run of games here. Yeah. Certainly, he looks fresh right now, and sure. we assume when you get that back-to-back on the road next week that <clears throat> you'll split starts. But yeah. beyond that, do you feel the need to kind of manage him a little bit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Clarky's really good at that stuff. You know, uh, we're going to make sure he gets his days off. His it is times to work with Clarky and. Uh, you know, we might have to run Casey a couple of games just to, to to get the that science of it. But yeah, we we uh, we've been mapping it out here um, for the future. With Petey, uh, with with Lindholm at center and Petey on the wing, I know there's some kind of big picture decisions about Ilias and yeah. where he might fit. And I know generally he's been regarded as a center. Do you have to kind of mind that line a little bit in terms of? the big picture view with the organization and where he fits versus maybe what you need from him. Yeah, for now, I think we're fine. But yeah, I mean, you know, um, I think if they if they can play well together, it can be a hybrid type of thing, which is good. But you saw Lindholm on the right side at face-offs. I, I don't know what his face-off percentage, but he won some big draws for us. You know, that's a luxury. I, can't, I have to have him out there on those situations. That's a huge luxury. So... Um, you know, PD can you know for now adjust, and we, we can we can go from there. With the four-minute power play, yeah, a little bit longer look at the second power play unit than maybe you do in other games. Did you like what Hoaglander brought at the net front and in, in that role? Yeah, I, I didn't think we got the. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, well, I'm gonna put him out there again. I, I I don't know if we got pucks. Like I wish we got the pucks more around the net because that's his strength of getting loose and. Uh, being a dog on the bone around the net, and I don't think we got the pucks to the net, uh, so um, definitely he didn't. Well, he wasn't a problem there. Like he's, he's a guy for me. If we get a chance, we should throw the pucks to the net a lot more when he's around because he can get underneath big guys and and any kind of it, power plays. The best power plays have really good retrievals, and he's a really good retrieval guy. So that's why, um, and you know, getting him out there. So he definitely deserves to get get out there again, hundred percent. And we saw Demko try for the empty net. Have yeah. you ever seen a goalie goal in person before? Or? Yeah, I actually, was, uh, I, Ron Hextall. I was, uh, I was actually on the bench when he scored. It's pretty cool. That was years ago, 80, 87 against Boston. He might have been. I don't know if he's the first or the second goalie ever to get it. Remember Billy Smith? Uh, you guys, you guys should know. Second, there you go. See, <laughs> you're right. That's right. Who Are was you first, Billy Smith? No. But he didn't shoot it though. He did so. So really, Ron Hexel is the first guy to. Okay. Are you when you're sitting there on the bench? Like, are you able to 
root for a goalie goal? Like, what, what's going through your mind? <clears throat> well, I, I think the fans wanted it more than anybody. You know, I, yeah, you'd love to see it, but yeah, that was pretty cool. I think, you know, every in this, you could hear the fans like, shoot it, shoot it. So it was kind of cool. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 4-1 win over the Red Wings here at Rogers Arena. And uh, he was also rooting for uh, Thatcher Demko to score. Is it maybe more for the fans? And uh, cited his time as a flyer when Ron Hextall scored an empty net goal and had the date down to 87. That was what he mentioned. Uh, Any reference if uh, Lindholm was there as well <laughs> watching that one? I, I mean, boy, he really likes this Lindholm. He, boy, he loves Elias Lindholm. So he talked about how he had a super game. He's a centerman. If there's a mistake, uh, he's in the right spot. Doesn't cheat the game. Would like to keep him at center, um, and talk about how good he was. Not afraid to bounce, but he talked about how he wants to keep him at center. And he played with Pedersen tonight, and Pedersen played the wing, and he just couldn't say enough good things about Elias Lindholm and the details which which in he plays with. And as the year goes on, that's going to keep getting enhanced. You just hope that tonight was a night that Pedersen and Lindholm as a duo really kindled some magic because if they did. And you start looking at the two-way ability and the details that he can play with. You know, when we talked about this team before they made the Lindholm acquisition, we said, sure, you know, you can, we can talk about top four defensemen, another forward, but do they truly have a line that can, like, go toe-to-toe against other teams' top lines and not just hold their own but perhaps win? You really have that opportunity with Elias Lindholm on this roster, and you see why the coach is so high on him and the things that he can do. And we know Besser and Miller are a duo. Can Pedersen and Lindholm truly be that duo? Yeah, and it's going to be interesting, too, to watch over these next couple of weeks just what he, Lindholm learns off of his teammates as well because obviously he's a smart player himself, and here's Rick talking heaping praise on him. But what, what he picks up from his teammates is going to be interesting because it feels like you know when you play that level of game, the, the last game, that play that Hoaglander scores is is the one that you know it really stands out as he – gets under Megna's hands and he clears him away. He can't play the puck and just puts the body on him. And then there's Hoaglander to make that play. And, and Lindholm's so effective at winning the space and then winning the puck. Yeah. And as he starts picking up all of his teammates, what spaces is he going to start to occupy? And even, like, the goal, it's not as if he's just heading to the net for the sake of heading to the net just because there's a rush chance, The his second goal. It's... Pedersen loses that puck and it just veers over and he's he's there. Mm-hmm. And reading that stuff is going to be interesting as they develop chemistry of how how they figure this out. And if they start reading each other, and this is like you wanted a proper running mate for Elias Pedersen. The goals for Nils Hoaglander are, are nice, but even Rick talking this morning is mentioning, you know, at 14 minutes we get a little bit worried uh, about his, his fatigue level and, you know, leveraging – how he's developing versus what we're trying to do. And tonight he ends up playing 1241, which is nice, but it's not overwhelming. Whereas Lindholm, here he is sitting at 1815, Elias Pettersson, 1851. So those two much more married together. And even at even strength, Lindholm had 12 minutes, uh, Elias Pettersson had 12:36, Hoaglander at almost 11 minutes. So I mean, pretty close, but the big separating factor being the special teams uh, time for those other players. But on Niels Hoaglander, the coach was also very effusive mm-hmm. in his praise of the young Canucks forward, said earlier this year he was playing fancy, but he played nasty tonight. Love, love that about him. Uh, he fits the bill at being nasty, winning in the corners, taking pucks to the net, can really climb the ladder if he keeps doing those things is what the head coach mentioned. 
Hoaglander, again, had a really strong game. And we know the defensive part is something he spoke about this morning that they want to see him still improve on and get better at. But if you're digging pucks out the way he is, forechecking as hard as he is, those are the types of things that can really allow him to stick and evolve in the role that he has. The stuff defensively, in certain moments, you can always find a different matchup, right? And you can hide them from certain moments with what they want to do. But if you can forecheck the way he does and get under the opponent's skin the way he does, it is more reminiscent to how he played as a rookie. Yeah, and even defensively, there was a moment in the second period. It's after the Comfort goal, last shift of the period. So you think, okay, if Detroit's kind of working their way back into this game, a little bit of energy after the goal, close out the period, don't give them a 3-2 chance to kind of wake themselves up and have that sense of belief going into the third. And there was a slot pass, cross slot pass. You know, Kane and Debrinkit come in. Debrinkit's trying to whip it across to Comfort. And Hoaglander, I don't know if he had the stick in the right lane or if he was just ready for it. But nevertheless, he gets the stick across and tips that into the corner. And Comfort doesn't get this opportunity to get that, you know, advantageous shot off of that slot line pass. And there he is for a one-timer on the other side. And... That's big check, right? Like, stick in the right lane, deflects a puck, great defensive play, a late in a period to keep it at 3-1, and stuff like that. It's, you know, don't make big mistakes and get caught chasing, but in moments when you're called upon, be in the right spot, and Hoaglander in that moment was. And you're right, defensively, but also the sheer skill he has when he's on top of his game, one of the best plays he made tonight was taking a pass on the backhand, like, Perfectly the, the drag around Alimata is going to get the attention. But, but that the take, take on the on backhand? The pass, oh, that was brilliant. That was an incredible take. And the the, the drag move was nice, too. And then he uh, missed the net on the shot and maybe could have passed it as well. But I thought the, he should have passed it to JT, but nevertheless. Sure, but it was still like a super high-danger yeah. chance. And he drove, he dragged the puck into the yeah. middle of the ice. It, either play could have worked, mm-hmm. right? But, but when you're in the zone... When you're feeling it, sure. I mean, I don't, I don't, he's like I don't mind. He's, he's, got... he's, like, he's in the flow. <laughs> he's in the flow. Just let him go. He's got 17. Uh, he's got 17, uh, 17 goals on the season. But the hands he displayed on it, the confidence, and those are the things that if he keeps doing that, driving, creating chances, you know, maybe it grows that confidence the head coach has, and they can trust him a bit more later in, uh, in the games. Uh, and I think those are the types of things that you want to see from Niels Hoagnander. Had an assist tonight, plus three on the evening. Great performance from that Swedish line, whether you want to call it a first uh, line or a second line. Either way, they were the Canucks' best trio tonight. Uh, Dino texts in, and he mentions on the Canucks head coach, Rick Tockett, and says, when Tockett was angry at the media about his comments about Pedersen were covered, I was a bit worried that he would start giving KG boring answers in the postgame scrums. I'm happy to say that has not happened. Love listening to the coach talk hockey. That is Dino. He's fantastic in terms of uh, how he just plainly tells you what he's thinking, what he's feeling, and what he saw out there. Uh, Tyler- he also, sorry, just really quickly, yeah. referenced the blown lead as well versus Detroit. So there's something that's hanging out in the recess of their mind. And sure enough, heading into the third, another lead that the Canucks salt away. 31 0 2, the next closest, the Boston Bruins at 24. One and five. So yeah. it's it's remarkable. It really is. It's absolutely incredible. And uh, the coach was asked about Ilya Mikheyev. Tyler texts in and says, anytime the coach says okay about a player, it's usually not a good thing. He said <laughs> Mikheyev was okay, a little bit better. Oh, does he have a tell? Uh, th- thought he skated a bit better tonight, um, but, you know, it's one of those things. He said he thought it was okay, a bit better. Then uh, He didn't bury him, of course. No. Um, is it I a mean, bit of a tell? He's going to need him a bit because Joshua is now 
uh, going to miss the next game. So imagine Mikheyev back in that spot. You know what? Let's talk more about that line on the other side, the night Connor Garland, Teddy Bluger had, and also how Ilya Mikheyev fit on that line. We'll talk about the Canucks defense as well and continue getting more of your thoughts to our Dunbar Lumber text them box 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650. And the Red Wings head coach, Derek Lalonde, well, he had some thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks. We'll tell you what he said about them as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on, presented by the number five Orange. If you can peel your eyes off the stage, they've got hockey, football, and more on the big screens. More coming up next on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Sonora pressured by Raymond. Dumps it behind the net for Elias Lindholm. Out the left wing side, pushed to the corner by Wallman. Leaves for Hoaglander the end boards. Now to Pedersen trying to wrap around it. Rolled through the crease out the far side. Sonora shoots left point. He scores! Nikita Zadorov snaps it for the left point and beats Alex Lyon up high. It's 3-0 Canucks. And Nikita Zadorov scores his first in Vancouver. Welcome back to the lineup, 91. Uh, Nikita, how often do you work on your dance moves? Uh, it was uh, caught on camera there, a <laughs> the little uh, cheeky uh, one over at the bench. Not that much as guys in red. <laughs> Nikita Zadorov. With the zinger after a 4-1 Canucks victory over the Detroit Red Wings here on the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar and Bick asking Zadorov uh, about his gritty dance or the mock gritty. And a great answer by Nikita Zadorov. He's, he's fantastic to deal with with the media because he gives good honest answers and... You know, clearly he was not a big fan of Jake Wallman doing the gritty after the overtime victory. They he, knew. And he had some they comments uh, post-game as well. Uh, maybe we'll get time to play those coming up a bit later on. I mean, Zadorov such a good time. You may want to hear from him yet again. Uh, that's coming up a bit later in the show. But, uh, yeah, he did the gritty, mock gritty at Jake Wallman on the ice and the Canucks victors tonight over those pesky wings. Now, a couple things we wanted to touch on after the head coach spoke to the media and keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free one 650 A lot of questions coming in about the Canucks third line. Dakota Joshua, he's injured for the time being. Didn't get an, get an additional update here post game, but supposed to meet with doctors today to get another di- to get a diagnosis about how long he may be out. We don't quite know. We know he got hurt in a fight with Entwistle at the end of the game against the Chicago Blackhawks. So no Dakota Joshua, and that meant Ilya Mikheyev got a chance to play with Bluger and Connor Garland, and the coach said Mikheyev was okay. Uh, didn't really delve into that line too much, but what did you think of the Canucks' new look third line without Dakota Joshua? Yeah, it was okay. Um, you and I were talking in the third period, you know, it felt just like a, a regular Mikheyev game. Yeah, he, he's a bit more under the microscope because people want to see uh, him score. But it just like he, for me, he's been been solid. He's created a couple of turnovers. Uh, he generates a couple of shot attempts. Not the most dangerous, but overall, I, I just thought it was kind of another Ilya Mikheyev game. Um, 
there was a moment where, where you and I kind of disagreed on where because he, he had a chance to kind of take on more at Cider. And he had beaten Cider on a rush opportunity, and it just take that puck to the net and he pulled up and was looking for a pass and kind of fumbles it thereafter and I thought well that's a perfect opportunity to just dash towards the net and I, I thought he, like he, he didn't need to pull up in that spot. I think the reason I thought I mean when I saw the play the first thing that came to my mind is oh he, he was he was concerned about loading on his knee and cutting towards the net in that situation. That's what it looked like to me. That's fair. But that goes back to, you know, mm-hmm. again, trying to get back to skating better consistently and doing the things that he needs to do. I thought the best shifts he had were actually in the first period. Yeah, there was but... a few good forechecks, created a couple loose pucks. He made one really good play, put the puck in the middle of the ice. It went just by Garland. Could have yeah. been a great A scoring chance. Uh, he was good at hunting pucks down early on. Showed a little bit of chemistry with the guys. After that, it wasn't quite as easy. And I wonder, Vic, how much the special teams time threw a wrench into that line and getting some chemistry out of the first after the first period because there was a lot of back and forth on the power play and getting on five on fives, mixing things around. Uh, There was not a lot of consistency, uh, I think, for some of those trios tonight. But the big thing for McKeev, so winds up playing 15-18 tonight, two minutes uh, shorthanded. So Joshua goes out, uh, who's going to eat up some of those minutes. Uh, Ilya McKeev doing so. Nils Oman plays a buck 53 shorthanded. Obviously, Teddy Bluger grabbing a ton at 326. Patterson played over four minutes uh, shorthanded. Lindholm plays close to four minutes shorthanded. And JT Miller even got out there for two minutes and 35 seconds. Ian Patterson kind of got stuck out there for a little while on a shift. But nevertheless, uh, full effort from uh, across the board. And Phil DiGiuseppe uh, up over a minute shorthanded as well. A moment on the Canucks PK. The Canucks PK has been tremendous now. The, since the new year, they've been top five in the NHL. Since December, they've been top eight in the NHL. The PK is becoming a huge strength for this team. And the fact that they were still as good as they were without Dakota Joshua, not to say it's only, you know, Dakota Joshua is the linchpin for that PK, but he's been a big part of it, one of their better penalty killers. Lindholm, of course, has been positive. But it's it's really turned a corner, and now it truly looks like a strength for this team. 86.5% now on the year, or um, in this calendar year? I think it's pretty close. I think it's 86 or 87%, somewhere around that range. So that is massive. Now, if they can just get the other side of the special teams the working. Power play. Okay, on the power play, the best chance I thought they generated was a cross-ice pass JT Miller made during maybe one of his very very few forays into playing the half wall. I need to see JT back to kind of dictating things on the half wall. wall I again. do wonder if because Lin- – if you do that, right, and you, the traditional spots, Patterson, Hughes, Miller in their traditional spots, if the two righties in the middle complicates that. Well, if, the thing is, if you have a righty there, the one-timer pass from JT is not going to work as much. Correct. It has to come from the other side. Yeah, but also it, it's got to be JT in that corner now doing it because if you want the off hands yes. to go down to a left-handed guy into the bumper to a right-handed shooter or do it the inverse where it's a right-hander to – because traditionally we had seen Brock Besser do it to Bo Horvat yeah. from the goal line to the bumper. So could it be Lindholm there and Miller in the bumper? But, again, it's just that's not really where I want to see JT. And then at times, you know, because Besser's now playing that – that flank, JT's got to go goal line to hit it to Lindholm, and I just it 
it looks a bit odd. I'm just curious if it's a handedness thing that they don't want to put two righties in the middle because you can't really do that Besser to Lindholm one. No, it, it throws things off a little bit, and I know they want to get some more movement in. And I suppose the reason I'm not concerned about it is they have enough pieces mm-hmm. that they should be okay. And they're integrating a new player and a new look to the power play, so it will take some time. But it's noticeable in the fact that they have not really been able to generate quality scoring chances. They've been generating pressure, mm-hmm. not really getting a lot of shots off, but that's the nature of their power play, looking for the seam pass to open you up and get a chance as opposed to just getting shots on goal. But they've had a real hard time generating any real quality scoring chances lately on the power play. So it ends up going uh, 0-4-2 tonight, which extends to 0-15 over the last five games. But they were also only out there for – it was it was two penalties at the, on a, a four-minute double minor. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the only time they spent on the power play was during yes. that moment. Sorry, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, they didn't really get any other chances, but that was the only uh, time we saw on the power play. So since December – since January 1st, the Canucks PK is now first – no, sorry, uh, it is – it is now ninth in the National Hockey League at 86.4%. Oh, it's point one off. Point one off. Terrible math on my part. Actually, uh, fourth, sorry. Fourth, 86.4%. Fourth, okay. yeah. I was looking at net PK percentage, but PK percentage, fourth in the National Hockey League since January 1st. So let's turn around in a big way. The power plays since then... Uh, believe it or not, it's still a respectable 23.5%. It's just a run recently, like you yeah. said, over 12. Uh, kind of a cold streak that they're going through. All right, Bick, a lot of thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. What are the people saying tonight? Uh, Tatiana from Langley sings the door off mock the gritty highlight of the game. Uh, for me, Tommy the Tractor Guy, vibes at Rogers Arena, immaculate all season. You can tell the fans are behind Tockett's team. Very refreshing. Uh, this one, unsigned. Juleson making the ULFE draft pick a little lighter. Obviously part of that trade for uh, with Uho Lamico going to Florida. I know Juleson coming in return. Uh, a reference to the Benning trades as well, including Juleson uh, coming in from Jay. Uh, that one being the top of the list for Jay. And Eastside Akeem mentioning, hey, Pedersen, he just passed Kessler and Morrison in points as a Canuck. So three points for Elias Pettersson tonight, three primary assists. That takes him from 15th to now 13th in sole possession of that spot with 395 points. So that puts him 12 back of Don Lever and 25 back for 10th from Bo Horvat. So is there a chance Elias Pettersson? Can he get 25 points by the end of the season? I think so. All right. So there you go. He has a pretty good chance to end the season top 10 Canuck in all-time scoring. It's not bad. I think that's pretty good. And I think he's going to be the first Canuck. uh, He's going to have back-to-back 100-point seasons, Mm -hmm. which I have to go back and and look to see when the last time that was, that happened with uh, with a Canucks player. Uh, Pavel Burry, as Fast Eddie Gregory quickly tells me in my ear. So since Pavel Burry. 92 to 94? Yeah. Yeah, those two years. It's pretty special. So it's, yeah, it's not bad. And still a lot of criticism for Elias Pettersson. And, yeah, sometimes we understand. But the numbers he's putting up, they are undeniably eye-poppingly incredible. And uh, that season continues. Pettersson, 3.9. Not bad for a quote-unquote streaky player. <laughs> yeah, streaky when it comes to uh, having, like, multi-point games. Uh, a lot of thoughts coming in on the text inbox, 650, 650. Uh, this one from Lotso. Swedish buzzsaw line. Maybe the Husqvarna line? 
That's really good. That's really good. That's a good pull, pull by Lotso. I like it. It's a mouthful, though. Yeah, it's it's a mouthful, but it, it really speaks to Plus, me. Plus, are, are, are they paying royalties on that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Perhaps. It's like Lotto 649. We love the, the Lotto 649 line. But, yeah. That's I, I have to see that trio get back together again. Um Gavin from White Victoria, these performances are adding up for Hoggy. He should not be included in any trade talk unless you're taking a massive swing. I don't think they will trade him, period. He's a talkit type of player. When he plays like a buzzsaw, uh, he can be a talkit type of player, and we saw that here tonight. We also teased coming out of coming uh, going into the break last time around that Red Wings head coach Derek Lalonde had some thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks. And... Uh, you know, Eddie went and grabbed the audio. We had somebody text in as well about it, so we'll get to that text message in a second. But uh, Derek Alon was asked about, you, you know, the play in Edmonton against the Red Wings. They come against, in here against Vancouver, two teams that are very hard to play against. And here is it, the comments from the De- Detroit Red Wings head coach. We had a phenomenal performance against Vancouver. Uh, again, you're playing two teams that could easily win the Stanley Cup on the road. Um, you have to be really exact with your game. And it's just against some of these sporadic holes in our game against teams like this, uh, it'll get you. That's what happened. And that's Derek Lalonde saying two wins that can ease, two teams that can easily win the Stanley Cup on the road in Edmonton and in Vancouver. And Was he referencing the last game? Phenomenal performance. Yeah, he was talking about. Okay, yeah, okay. Phenom- yeah, he was referencing the game. Sporadic. Pr- the and then end. sporadic. This game. This game was sporadic for them. Yeah. I would say it was the Canucks really causing that. Oh, certainly. And and even against the Detroit, the last game around, I think you, they called it a great game because they ended up tying it. But they the Canucks were still in, in full control. They should have won that hockey game as well, blowing that two goal lead in the third period. But tonight, and this is something that's becoming a common refrain from visiting head coaches, Bick. This is a team that's one of the best teams, if not the best team in the National Hockey League. This is a team that can win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, we asked um, Jim Rutherford about that when he joined us a couple weeks back on Canuck Central, myself and Reach. And one of the things we asked him was, hey, what does this say to you when you hear a number of opposing head coaches come out and say these things about your team? And he said it means a lot. Like, when coaches say that sort of stuff, it, it really tells you something. And Respect is the ultimate currency. It is. And, and it's not just lip service. Like, you know, I don't think Derek Lawrence saying this is a team that can easily win the Stanley Cup. And I'm not saying we should sit here and declare the Canucks Stanley Cup favorites or anything, but it's a very common refrain that should be heard. Like, I think it, I think it says quite a bit. So, friend of Sportsnet too, Derek Lalonde. Derek, yeah. so, so you know that analysis is just a gem. It's fantastic, fantastic, and uh, well, it may not be available early in the playoffs yeah. like it was last year with the, how the Wings have been going uh, here tonight. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. Let's take a phone call six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty or toll free one triple eight two seven five zero six fifty. Let's go to the dispatch heating and plumbing hotline, and we're now joined uh, by. Brady and Surrey. Brady, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts here tonight? Hey. Hey, buddy. Um, I just wanted to talk about a possible Mikheyev trade since he's getting paid around $4.75 million and now Hoaglander taking a spot on the first line or uh, top six. Why not trade Mikheyev and open up that cap space and help bring in, bring back Lindholm, Petey, and Ronick in the offseason? All right. Hey, Brady, thanks for the phone call. Um, in terms of bringing l- – l- let me address the, the third part first, Lindholm, Pedersen, and Hronik. The Canucks have the space to bring those three guys back. 
now that they move Kuzmenko's money out too, I mean, even with Mikheyev on the books, they can keep all three of those guys. They can't keep all their free agents, mm-hmm. but they can keep those three players. They're projected to have thirty-five, thirty-six million in cap so, space. Yeah, uh, but you, those three guys are going to just bite a big, uh, big chunk number. of it. But yeah. even with that, they can still, you know, sign those guys and still bring back a couple of defensemen too. So it's not like you know the, the team's going to lose every, everyone if they sign those three players. But if they were able to clear the four point seven five that Mikheyev is owed the next couple of years, that would give them even more flexibility. Of course, the issue though is Mikheyev has four point seven five on the books for next year and the year beyond. Given how his game is this year, and it's clear his knee still coming back from injury, it doesn't look like he's the same player quite yet. I don't know what the market is in season. That's an if you're moving him, it's an off season move. I'm not sure in season there's much you can do in terms of a trade with that type of money. And if I'm not mistaken, he's got a modified no trade clause as yeah. well, so he he can limit the market himself. So, uh, and plus, like I, I know there's frustrations, but you're gonna want. You're, you're going to want credible NHL bodies. You need depth, too. Like, and the other thing is, I, he's struggling right now, no doubt, the past 20 games. But players are going to go through some of these ups and downs. It's going to happen. you know. And we're, we haven't seen a lot of it from the Canucks so far this year. But uh, sometimes, you know, the players will go through ups and downs. I wouldn't expect a trade from, from him. Now, we will get to more of your thoughts on the text inbox, 650-650. And we'll, take, we'll get to some comments from Canucks players postgame after a 4-1 victory over Detroit Red Wings. You are listening to the Canucks Central postgame show presented by the number five orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. As Kane cuts back into the right wing for Dabrinkit. Near corner, centering pass deflected away from Comfer in the slot. Boss to spare at the line, right wing for Kane, left side. What a save by Demko on Dabrinkit. Rebound scooped out front into the slot. Boss to spare fakes the shot, then fires it to the goal. Demko stops it up high and holds on for the whistle as Ian Cole clears Comfer for the side of the net, and a big scrum ensues. And that's why we picked Thatcher Demko as the player of the game. A couple of great saves. First on Dabrinkit. And then on Gostaspare on the shot for the high slot. And Batch, this is a chippy one. You can tell these te- two teams have played within a week. Thatcher Demko, sensational between the pipes for the Vancouver Canucks tonight and also made an incredible save on Daniel Sprong earlier in the game and deserved first-star honors if you were going to give it to him or even a couple other Vancouver Canucks tonight in an impressive 4-1 victory over the Detroit Red Wings. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. And it was JT Miller getting the first goal of the game to open things up. Uh, you had two from Elias Lindholm. And Nikita Zadorov also getting a tally in a 4-1 victory. The lone goal getting scored by JT Comfer for Detroit. And I think probably fair because he was, I'd say, the Wings' best forward or maybe best player tonight. Uh, so he came on the board, and that's the only goal the Red Wings got. Thatcher Demko was sensational uh, between the pipes, uh, making 27 saves, a lot of those coming on the power of play. Um, I did want to get to some thoughts here on the text inbox, 650-650. We are going to get uh, comments from Thatcher Demko coming up in just a few moments. Uh, but this one from William and Langley. The Canucks right now, before I get to the text, got to 80th point of the season tonight. They're sitting there 80. with 80 points in 55 games. William and Langley says, remarkable, 
remarkable performance. One year ago today, the Canucks were 28th in the league with 46 points playing 418 hockey. That is absolutely insane to watch how this team has come around by leading the league with 80 points playing 727 hockey. Hook it into my veins. I'm ready for the playoffs. Let's go. That's William and Langley. And it is pretty incredible when you look at the standings and you and the Canucks sit there with 80 points through 55 games. And we're sitting here and talking about how we're finally starting to see Elias Lindholm come together, but we still haven't seen the best version of this team. And that's what's really exciting to me as the season goes on. Absolutely mind-blowing, the the growth in a year that uh, Rick Tockett has instilled in this group. And uh, you, you just look at the numbers, Sat. It's now 91 games, I believe, for Rick Tockett. 57, 24, and 10, 124 points. That's good for third. They're yeah. chasing Boston with that historic season last year. Colorado is two points ahead of them, but they've played one more game in that stretch than Vancouver. So they're in the talk of tenure. They are really, really strong. Yeah. They, they no really other way are. to put it. No, I mean, no doubt about it. Uh, let's get a few more texts in. Marcus and Gibson says, McKayev was skating better tonight, but I feel like he needs to be better on second effort. I don't disagree necessarily. Uh, Cam from Victoria. Garland showing shades of a young Cliff Ronning tonight. Ooh. Showing that size matters not. Skating is what matters. Uh, Gavin from Victoria. Victoria competing hard in the inbox today. Uh, these performances are adding up for Hoaglander. He should be. He should not be included in trade talks unless they are taking a massive swing. I don't think they will trade him, period. He is a talk-it type player and last one graham from hardy texting in good evening guys this game was a clinic on how to get back at a team the proper way in the nhl you don't cross check a guy to the head you beat him on the scoreboard mock dance harass the guy who performed the disrespect all night long big z was awesome tonight lindholm awesome tonight team makes me proud to be a fan uh they play the right way, and more often than not, they win. Here's hoping that Kessel can add something. Thanks, guys. That is Graham and Hardy. Phil Kessel. Yeah, we'll see. And he's still a ways away. The coach commented on him today after the morning skate and said, it's going to take some time, uh, and it's going to be a few weeks, and we'll see. It's a free look, and we'll see ultimately what happens with Phil Kessel. There was there was a, uh, a scant, uh, we want Kessel chant in the arena late in the game. Was but, there? Yeah, oh, it, wasn't very, it wasn't very loud. It was kind of it, was, it wasn't it wasn't very loud, but you heard a little bit. So uh, certainly a big topic of conversation. Chris and Duncan says, um, I thought the Canucks played well. All the guys pulling on the rope got pucks in deep, gave 110 percent, met pressure with pressure. Good win. And <laughs> honestly, it's all cliches. But the funny thing about this, though, Bick, is that's accurate. Analysis. That's accurate. Yep. It's accurate. Well that's, what's, that's so funny ab- about this Canucks season is. If you talk about how they play, it's really like the cliches. They're doing the cliches really well. What was missing? They protected the guts, some wall guys. Protected the wall, the walls, winning along the walls. Maybe that's something you you, you missed a little bit. But Matt, pressure with pressure, that's a really good one. All guys pulling on the same rope. Is technically the second Lindholm goal because Hoaglander joined. Is is that a double or a middle drive? Ooh. Double drive? Double drive. Yeah, technically. Technically. Yeah. There was a lot of there was a lot of good and one thing I thought was really interesting. We we are going to get to Demko in a second here, but the coach mentioned they stayed in Chicago 
after, instead of mm. flying straight out. And he thought that was good for their energy. They're trying to do as much as they can to give this team the best chance possible to succeed game in and game out. And they are putting a lot of thought into these sort of things. And it was interesting to see. And uh, they mentioned how the Canucks had energy. It wasn't perfect because they took a lot of penalties. I'd say a lot of weak calls as well. Actually, really quickly, uh, from Lee and Surrey just texted in. I don't know if we've talked about this, the goal against. Um, oh, yeah, the interference. Yeah, he just – Lee's texting again. I may have missed it. Uh, did someone address the Fisher crosscheck on Hughes right before the yeah. Detroit goal? Like, he launched Quinn Hughes. That's clearly – that should – I mean – and then they called that trip on uh, the – was it no. Hughes on knocking the stick out of yeah. – uh, was, was it Sprong's hands? Or yeah, who? the slash. The slash. And it wasn't really it was, a slash. It was just a really, stick check. Really the guy has one soft. hand on the stick, and he, they call – yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous. And even, just to be fair, the other direction, too. Like, right after the goal, Zadorov got a really nice cross-check in the middle of the ice on Raymond. It's the classic, like, stick across the numbers, head snaps back, and that one wasn't called either. So there were some rough moments. I know a lot of fans have been texting in recently that are, that are referees over the last uh, road trip that was like, this is not good officiating. Uh, the, the goal, I, I was just, like, stunned that was not a penalty because he... Like Quinn Hughes traveled some distance on that play. He did, yeah. It should have been a penalty call. And hey, it's it's a lot easier to take and don't worry about it when you win the game, uh, you know, four one the way the Canucks did. But yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, this text says the Larshiders section was on fire tonight. Great vibe in the building. And you know, there was a text I wanted to bring up here. Uh, I think it was tr- uh, Tommy that texted this in. He says, the vibes at Rogers Arena have been immaculate this season. You can tell the fans are behind Tockett's team, and it's very refreshing. That is Tommy, the former tractor guy, texting in. And the vibes were great tonight overall. And, and the arena, especially as the team's really pulled, you know, pulled it together this year, uh, the vibes have been fantastic here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and they're only going to improve as the team keeps winning. And I'm really excited, not just for the playoffs, obviously, but yeah. the nine-game homestand we're going to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we, we mentioned, we played the thoughts of Red Wings head coach Derek Lalonde, and somebody texted this in earlier, uh, and what he said was they played two teams on the road in Vancouver and Edmonton that can easily win the Stanley Cup. And he's mentioned if you have some lapses in your game like they had tonight, you're not going to win against teams like that. So just another coach talking about how the Vancouver Canucks are contenders. But James and Burnaby is not buying it. He's saying, expect, expected win, boys played well, hoping you and the rest of Vancouver media would chill on the regular season flowers. Remember 2012? I mean, the thing is. All right, I'm more chilling. I'm out of here. All right, talk later. I'm good. We're over. We're no chilling. no iMac, no, no demo. No, we're no, gone. We're, all right, Vic's over. I'll see you guys. <laughs> Vic is gone. All right, later. <laughs> I mean, of course, playoffs are a different animal. Yeah. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. But the journey to get to the playoffs is a separate jersey journey in and of itself. You can enjoy the moment. You can talk about what they've done throughout the season. You can give them their dues for the success they're having and credit all of it. It doesn't mean anybody's handing you anything come the postseason. And as much as, yes, you can always say, hey, chill on everything, you can also put things into context that, hey, we're talking about the regular season and how they're doing now, and we're not extrapolating saying they're going to win in the postseason. So uh, those are sort of things that always keep in mind. But the Canucks, absolutely fantastic season so far, 80 points in 55 games. Uh, and we mentioned Thatcher Demko almost scored an empty net goal. Would he, would he have done the gritty 
That's the question we have. Was he asked about it? Find out. Here's Thatcher Demko after a 4-1 win over the Red Wings. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I thought it was just all PK. Um, so a lot of uh, a time under duress there, and um, I thought our, our group did a great job of managing that and getting back to work uh, after we got the kill. So uh, it was a really good job. Dakota's been a big part of the kill for you this year. You've added Lindholm in the last little bit. What is it that, regardless of who's in there in terms of personnel, allows you guys to continue? To have yeah, success? I think I think we just have a good structure, good understanding. Um, you know, it's similar to our lineup. You know. Um, if someone goes down, you know, we have guys that can step in and do the job. So, um, like I said, it was a great job by that whole unit tonight and having different guys fill in. Even with the PK, it seemed a little quieter in the first two periods, but in the third, you had to make a couple of five alarm saves, including one on Kane. Can you just take us through some of those moments? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't predict when shots are going to come. So, uh, just try to be ready through throughout the 60, and, um, you know, sometimes games unfold that way. So, think you're going to have it with the empty net? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not really the guy to try it, but I figured up three. Um, that was going to be my best effort, so it uh, might be my first and last try, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was a, a decent try. Would you have hit the greedy like see if you had scored? No. Could you hear the fans chanting your name after seeing you on the third? Maybe. Sometimes those upper decks, they're, they're loud, but you can't really make out what they're saying. So, um, yeah, I mean, love being back home tonight. It's uh, been a long time obviously through the break and then that long road trip so it felt good to be back here in, in our dressing room and in front of our fans. about how the team just started tonight it felt like there was a lot of energy from the opening face off. Yeah um, you know sometimes it's hard coming coming off of those road trips and you know we flew back home yesterday and then we're right back at it today so um, I thought a, a focal point for us was just making sure that we were ready to go and, and make sure that we have our legs. That is Canucks netminder Thatcher Demko, who would indeed not have done the gritty had he scored the empty net goal. So uh, strong performance from him between the pipes tonight. Uh, and I was hoping he would have scored an, em- an empty net goal. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to, but the coach was asked about it uh, post game, And he said uh, he saw Ron Hextall score one in 87. Mm-hmm. And fast Eddie Gregory, who's so good at uh, digging up facts and stats for us, texted me and said, Talkin had a goal and an assist the second time Hextall scored a goal in the playoffs, 89 against Washington. And he was saying he hoped he had a fight, too. It would have had a Gordie Howe hat trick. And, mm. and we spoke about this last postgame show that Rick Talkin leads uh, most Gordie Howe hat tricks in NHL history with 18. So, uh, yeah, he's seen everything, that Rick Talkin. All right, you heard from Thatcher Demko after the game. Another player, a new Vancouver Canucks, Elias Lindholm, had two goals tonight, and here he is meeting with the media after a 4-1 win. No, obviously it felt pretty, pretty good. Um, I thought the, you know, our team played pretty well. Um, obviously a lot of uh, penalty killing, but uh, uh, you know when we need a big save, Demer was uh, making some big stuff, stuff for us. But uh, yeah, stay out of the box, and, and uh, other than that, I thought, uh, thought we, we controlled the game pretty well. As someone who's joined this group and joined the penalty kill, what do you take away from how successful it's been and what's leading to the success from your perspective? No, I thought uh, I thought today we didn't give them too much. Um, obviously, they have some skill, skilled players there, but uh, uh, sometimes we're going to, you know, break a little bit. But uh, when we did, Demer was there to, to make a big stop. And, yeah, I thought we, we, we stayed pretty compact, try to keep them as much as, as possible on the outside and... and like I said, Demer made some big stuffs when we needed them. What has worked with your line with uh, PD and with uh, Hoglander? What, what has been working for you? Uh, 
yeah, uh, I, I don't know. It's only been two games, but uh, I thought we had some um, some good shifts last game. Um, obviously, it was um, pretty pretty new for for all of us to pl- to play together. But uh, uh, obviously, we, we 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 took that and, and uh, bailed off it uh, to this game. And today, I thought we played a pretty pretty solid game. Uh, didn't give up too much, and and obviously, tried to had a lot of zone time. Um, I think still we can, or me at least, can be, be a little more direct and, and uh, be more pre- predictable in those ones. But uh, I thought overall we were, were pretty good. Do you think goal is the priority there just to get it past that first defender? Is that what you're thinking? Uh, I kind of wanted to, to, to get out to, to wide there, but there he kind of cheated a little bit and, and tr- just try to, you know, I was kind of one-on-one and try to get shot by, uh, like you said. So uh, it was nice to go in. How about on the empty net chance? Could you tell it was going to hit the post? Did you think you had it? <laughs> I thought I had it, but uh, yeah, um, not another time maybe. Uh, that is Elias Lindholm uh, after a 4-1 win over the Red Wings. Two goals tonight and uh, gave a lot of credit to Thatcher Demko, but clearly building some chemistry uh, with Certainly. Elias Patterson and Niels Hoaglander tonight. Bit. Yeah, we heard from Demko as well. And you just hear, here's another player having some appreciation for Demko. And you think of what Derek Lalonde said and yeah. what so many of the coaches have said. And just you know, picturing, you, you got to get through this gauntlet of physicality and all the, you know, the, the, these guys winning board battles. Like it's American gladiators you know, <laughs> stuffing you with the, yeah. the pads and the, and the big uh, maces or whatever they were. <laughs> And you do all this, you're like, all right, we got a scoring chance, and it's Thatcher Demko, it, you know, got the club at the end of the gauntlet. It must be so daunting. <laughs> it's got to be tough, man. And there has been a lot made about Demko. Some games not making the types of saves. Sometimes people thought that he should be making, but there's a few games now have been like Thatcher Demko yeah. games where he's been absolutely spectacular, and it wasn't like he was called into action that much in terms of quality scoring chances, but every time he had an answer, and it seemed like uh, the Red Wings could only score on him when they interfered with the Canucks defenseman. Yeah, and Rick Talkwood has even asked about the usage for Demko as well, and yeah, they they feel the need to manage Thatcher Demko, and uh, it was very vocal about the fact that Ian Clark handles it well and that they've been mapping it out and have a plan for what the usage will be like the rest of the way for Demko, which, yeah, it's, you know, I don't know if it's a concern, but now it's 40 starts for Thatcher Demko here with 27 to go. So on pace for 59? 59, almost 60 yeah. starts. Yeah. So that number's going to have to come down, but there's going to be opportunities for Casey DeSmith here to get uh, some games. Uh, yeah, He certainly will, especially over the next little bit. All right, it's time for us to welcome in the closer, the man we call the triple threat. You watch him on TV so elegantly. You read him on digital, and you hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. You know, a famous Vancouver Sun columnist, Ian Haysom, once went to a game to write a column on just observations and how how Team Sun covered the game. <laughs> so it was Elliot Papp, my longtime colleague, and I in the press box. And he described Elliot, who liked to talk a lot, as... Rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat. <laughs> and he described me as long and languid. Languid. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> he was a good writer. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. That's fantastic. Well, I don't know if it was, but <laughs> it was, it was, was kind of cool at the time. Yeah, I know he nailed Elliot, so maybe maybe he got me right, too. Yeah. Well, I'd say somewhat close. But, but we, Elliot and I were a great pair because he would, he would constantly 
basically be doing both the play-by-play -play and the color. And <laughs> Elliot, I know you're listening. You know I love you. But he'd be doing the play-by-play and the color at the same time, right. just observing, <laughs> whereas I'd often be writing. Right. So he would always fill me in on what well, I missed. Well, you missed the end. And when I needed silence, like, because I, you know, the deadline was really tight, I'd say, Elliot, you need to be quiet for the next five minutes. And he could be. <laughs> he could. We, we, were, we were good good partners. So yeah. it's like your personal radio. Yeah. I all these years I've had two really two partners. One one was Elliot Papp and the other is Brad Zemer. Yeah, El Elliot's a great guy. Like a great guy, uh super passionate of course, and I only got to meet him a little bit over over, but every time I've had a it's always a great uh interaction when you meet Elliot Papp. Yeah. I find. Yeah. yeah. It's Old newspaper man. Yeah. <laughs> uh that'll make them like We're they used generally to pretty good stock. Yes. For the most part. Yeah. Most of you. <laughs> Most of your brethren are. Yeah. Uh, as far as what we saw tonight, 4-1 victory by the Canucks. And one thing I thought was interesting, the coach mentioned that they stayed in Chicago and they felt like that gave them a lot of energy. But the Canucks so far this season have not lost a game coming back home from any road trip that's longer than a game. They had the one game in Calgary, came back and lost against New Jersey. Outside of that, every single time they've come home from a road trip, they've won. That's like a stat Elliot Papp would have. Yeah. <laughs> he would have figured that out. It is impressive. I mean, the gone are the days where there was this built-in excuse, oh, we just got home yeah. from a road trip. It used to be like in the old days when the Canucks were taking, you know, commercial flights and usually not direct because mm -hmm. you can only get to about three places from Vancouver back in the day. You had a little more grounds uh, to be ground down. Mm -hmm. You could legitimately were tired and exhausted and yeah. the travel and the sleeps and and stuff uh but you know every team charters every team well i think every team has has uh science people to help with mm. their performance and what's optimum i mean mike gillis brought in the sleep doctor yeah. and i don't think they have the sleep doctor per se but they still do a lot of thought goes into when they travel, where they sleep, when they practice, at what time. And uh, it is impressive. I didn't know that, that they have not lost a game yet from a from a road trip longer than three. One, one, one. game. One so game. Yeah. any multi-game trip. Any multi-game trip. And this, this is actually, and every team complains about its schedule as well, but it seems the Canucks do have some bizarre scheduling points yeah. every year. And uh, I think especially the West Coast teams, because I don't think wh whoever whoever is is feeding data into the NHL matrix, I, I don't think they really know what's west of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. It's all that, oh, you know, we're all close together, just like all the mm -hmm. eastern cities. But to have a five-game trip, and, and in that trip, they did a bit of back and forth. They went, they went west to Detroit from Boston, and then the same distance, mm -hmm. almost two hours back east again to play in Washington. But then to come all the way back and you come home for one game tonight, which is still like a road game yeah, to your body, and then you play another game on Saturday, and now you're going on the road again. Yeah. For an and early game on Monday. For yeah. an early game on Monday and three and four nights, uh, at least – they're coming back the right way. They're coming back and playing Seattle, then coming home. The last but it's time, Minnesota, Colorado, Seattle. Right. Yeah. Well, it's not as bad as the last trip that where they played 
Colorado and Seattle on the same trip. They did Colorado, <laughs> Seattle, San Jose. Yeah, it's real home. zigzag. So it's it's tough, but you know the as I said about four minutes ago, there's no excuse, there's no excuses. Like yeah, yeah, teams have this, and especially in the West, you just learn uh, to deal with it. And you know it can be a huge disadvantage. It can catch up to you, but that's why you do everything in your power to be smart about how you travel and how you how you attack the schedule and and the rest is is equally important as the practice time as well and i think talkett knows that too so uh dealer's choice would you like to talk about the penalty kill or lintel i'm sorry i gave you so little time tonight i bit off more than i could chew post no this so, is great uh i'd rather talk about lindholm because that's who i wrote about so i i don't have a question i just lindholm, well i just think uh, go. yeah I, I think it's interesting he's now a center like mm -hmm. basically yeah. yeah that's what talkett is is saying which means elias Pettersson is now winger unless you're going to reunite the lotto line again which probably will happen at some point i don't know for what duration and maybe then miller plays the wing but the last time the lotto line was together miller was the center so for now uh uh Ilias Pettersson is is a winger i thought that line looked terrific tonight they certainly dominated the fancy stats against mm -hmm. detroit and i think i think you know, when Talkett said this morning, it, it's it's on him. He's He's got to find a way to make Lindholm comfortable. I think this is the way to make Lindholm comfortable, mm -hmm. to let him play center. I talked to Lindholm after the game, who, you know, didn't knew of uh, Niels Hoaglander. Mm -hmm. Hadn't, remember, Hoaglander was in the minors all of last season. Yeah. Uh, he played against them, of course, before that, and especially the bubble season, which was Hoaglander's first but he said he's he's really got a lot of skill, and of course people see the speed mm -hmm. and energy. And then Pedersen, uh, Lindholm said he's just one of the best players in the game, a mm -hmm. super skilled player. And he says his role is to just kind of read what they're doing, and sometimes that might mean he's in the corner uh, supporting. Sometimes that means he's just staying high mm -hmm. as as the third forward. But he says he sees his job just to read what those two are doing and let them, you know, create and be offensive. And he's going to, he didn't say this, I'm paraphrasing, but he'll make sure that he's the first guy back. Yeah. And, you know, when I said, when I said that to Zadorov, who of course played with him mm -hmm. uh, in Calgary, he said, first of all, uh, Lindholm was their best player uh, over the last three years. And of course they had Gaudreau mm -hmm. and Kachuk yeah. in that time. He said Lindholm was their best player. And he said Zadorov puts him in the same category as Barkov and Couturier wow. as as a two-way center. And he said when he's really on his game, he put him in the same category as Patrice Bergeron, too. A oh, guy wow. who's yeah. outstanding defensively but still gets a lot of offense. So that's, that's pretty high praise. Um, but Zadorov has, has played an awful lot of hockey with Elias Lindholm, and he's – he really thinks that Lindholm is going to be uh, a great player in Vancouver. He says the the best thing. The other thing that's interesting about Zadorov, well, lots of stuff yes. like his post game. Yeah, it was fantastic. You know, his little shot at Jake Wallman yeah. th doing the gritty <laughs> was. By the way, is gritty spelled with capital G? Uh, uh, I didn't. Uh, I spelled uh, it that way when I filed it, but yeah, I, I think people will understand. Okay. Either way, it's fine. All right. Your grammar is important, Bick. Yeah.
Grammar is important. I, I assume it's the name of a dance, so I imagine it would yeah. be. The, the other thing is interesting about Zadorov is he said, um, you know, because he's just been through the transition. Like, he did this two mm-hmm. and a half months ago. It, he says it's hard because everything is different. Like, just everything yeah. that you could imagine is different. And some guys uh, transition quickly. Other guys, it takes more time. In Lindholm's case, this is the first time he's been traded in season. And Lindholm told me that, yeah, it's harder than he thought it was going to be, mm. just the adjustment. But he says the good thing is we've got lots of time between now and yeah. the playoffs. And he's Zadorov is positive this team is going to get the best of Elias Lindholm and that that is going to make a difference for this team. I think it made a difference tonight. Well, if there's, yeah. if he's got other levels beyond tonight, that's fantastic. But he was good tonight. Well, I don't think, you know, we'll end on this, but have we seen, I don't think we've seen the best version of this hockey team. We haven't seen it for a while. We've seen it in, in spells. Uh, I would have to go back and look sort of game by game. But in, in terms of having, like, since they added Lindholm. Yes, since added Lindholm. I mean, the, the first game in Carolina was a really good game. was pretty good, a, yeah. Against a good team. But it was Lindholm's first game, and he said that was the one game he played where he, he was just kind of going on instinct. He yeah. wasn't thinking. And he thinks his problem since then is he's thinking too much. Mm-hmm. So now he's just trying to play again, which, again, brings us back to put him in a position where it feels natural and comfortable to him, which is playing center yeah. with, with good players. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's I think there's lots of room for growth still mm-hmm. with this team, as yeah. you know, Sat. There, there's bound to be some regression <laughs> as far as shooting percentage. Well, goes. they did a regress over the road trip. They played 700 hockey, which is below their yeah. winning percentage. <laughs> but you know, even if they don't quite maintain this epic clip they're on, and all joking aside, mm-hmm. it is uh, you know an incredible shooting rate they're going at. I don't know what it is after tonight, but. Uh, you know, four goals on what twenty-one shots tonight. Yeah, just couldn't score an empty net. Um, that's it. But there's there's room there's room for Some other people pick the over. Yeah, there's room for other areas. Yeah. to still get better, mm-hmm. and we see how much the power play has scuffled, mm-hmm. and and not just lately, like yeah. for months. Can you imagine if this power play suddenly takes off and starts scoring the penalty yeah. killings much better? But they've got room. You know, to, to have a fully healthy team, mm-hmm. which they haven't had, but although they've generally been lucky with where the injuries have come and the volume, like right now they're dealing with two. Most teams would love to have only two, yeah. or a lot of teams would love to have only two. And and then, you know, Lindholm getting back on top of his game, and the Canucks are probably going to make another trade. I'd be surprised if they don't. And I'm not talking about Phil Kessel. <laughs> the, Phil Kessel, he'll do – Phil will be Phil, whatever yeah. that's going to be, whatever that looks like. But they'll make another trade, uh, and and so the you know there is room for this team to be better. And I know you want to go because I came late. Wait, am I reading this time correct? You're trying to hustle us off. It's only 23 minutes after the hour. No, it's You're 28. It's 28. Okay. It's almost 20. It's actually oh, 29. No, oh, is it 28. So late. That's why yeah, I'm five minutes behind. <laughs> yeah. no. no, my watch stopped today, so I quickly uh, changed yeah, it yes, and obviously yes. didn't. Well, that would explain it. It, it is a nice watch, though. All I right. Say. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. That's a yeah. plot of a movie. If you, I don't. If, if, you, if you get the the uh, wristwatch wrong, um, yeah. Will Ferrell, Stranger Than Fiction. Oh. Yeah. It's a good movie. I know people actually intentionally set their clocks wrong. Of course. Yeah, I do yeah. that. So you're on top of it. You do that? Yeah, my alarm clock is 15 minutes ahead. Oh, alarm clock at home. Right. Now, do you do you get complacent with that? So when it goes off, you just hit snooze like that. Yeah. You know me too well. 
did you have a quick thought? Before I do. We get out? I do. So Zadorov, I just found this interesting. Uh, Zadorov, at there was a he was on late in the game. There, the there was a face-off with 14 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Juleson changed, and Zadorov kind of waved to the bench like, "I'm fine. Just right. leave me out here." And that was because he had run over Lucas Raymond, and he wanted to say, uh, "Hey, if you want here to. I am. Right. I'm here. If anyone wants me." Now, when I put that to him, he didn't quite put it in those mm, terms. Yeah, right. He said, well, I can't help who the coach plays. <laughs> the coach is going to play whoever he wants. I said, yeah, but you wanted to be out there. So oh, I always want to be yeah, out there. Yeah. <laughs> but that was what it was, uh, which, you know, I thought was, you know, especially in, in view of his comment about uh, guys making dance moves in overtime. Yeah. So why not have a goal? <laughs> Try to try to score. I thought that was I thought it was good. Old I, school, old school uh, Z. Is old school. We Z. have to call him Z. I said, did anyone call you Zed? Because this is Canada. He said, yeah, once. Once. Okay, so it's Z. You're not gonna. <laughs> you're not. So messing I'm not with gonna him. be the guy. Yeah. Once. What happened to that guy? We, yeah. don't, speak we, don't, of, we don't speak of that guy anymore. <laughs> he doesn't speak anymore either. All right. Uh, fantastic stuff, Ian. Great stuff as always on the post game show. Looking forward to reading your latest on Sportsnet.ca after the Canucks win four one. And we, we're going to chat with you on Saturday when the Canucks take on the Winnipeg Jets here on home ice. Bick, uh, he's in for me tomorrow on Canucks Central. Uh, Bick Nazar with Dan Riccio tomorrow four to six. Josh Elliott Wolf is producing. It's Mailback Friday tomorrow, so get those questions in for Bick and Dan. And Josh also is Yannick in for Hansen. me, so he's hosting the People Show. Oh yeah, and there you go. So all intersect. I'm taking the day off. I'm chilling, but I'm back on Saturday when the Canucks. Uh, take on the Winnipeg Jets. And thank you to everyone listening, participating here on the post-game show. Appreciate it very much. Uh, it is fantastic doing this, especially when the Canucks win. And big shout-outs to our friend Fast Eddie Gregory back at the station producing the show. This has been the Canucks Central post-game show presented by the number 5 Orange of Vancouver legend. They've got sports too right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.